conversation with a family member. She'll remain uh, nameless. <laughs> they don't like when I use them for any illustrations or examples that I have. We used to have an ongoing joke in my family that would say, Neil, this is off the record, okay? <laughs> what we're going to talk about, what I'm about to say, this is off the record. I don't want to end up in one of your sermons. <laughs> I don't want to be one of your examples. This is off the record. So I won't mention the person, but we were praying over our meal one time, and they didn't know what amen meant or amen meant. I just figured this is the way we end our prayer. We end our prayer by saying amen. But amen, as my wife says, means it's done, it's finished. It means yes. It means I'm in agreement with. It means so let it be. Whatever has said, whatever has been preached and proclaimed, I'm in agreement, so let it be. And this particular song, this particular song stems from the ironic blessing God told Aaron and the priesthood to bless his people in this way. And after you were done blessing my people in this way, you were to say, Amen. It is done. It is finished. I agree. So let it be. And this favor, this blessing that God has spoken, we want to just continue to speak over you, through you, and to you to let you know that it is not over and done for you no matter what your circumstance or situation is uh, in right now. God is still on his throne. He is still seated high and lifted up. And he is still for you. The Bible says, if God be for you, who or what can stand against you and prevail? God loves you with an everlasting love. And so this is God's favor, God's blessing, God's goodness bestowed upon us. So receive it at this time. Whether you're here in-house or you're watching online, we just want to speak this blessing and this favor over your life. And you, in return and respond, just say, I believe it, I receive it, and therefore I say, Amen. Amen. Give your Lord a praise one more time in this place. Well, these are exciting times that we are living in right now. These are exciting times. And when I say exciting, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Uh, I'm not um, belittling uh, what we are going through by any stretch of the imagination. I know people are dying. I know people are still getting sick. I know people are losing their jobs and can't find work, and they're in huge lines to, to get food. I understand the time that we are living in. So when I say that we are living in exciting times, I'm not necessarily saying that we're living in enjoyable times. I'm just saying that there is never a dull moment. <laughs> there is never a dull moment with what is going on in not just our city, our state, our nation, but even our world at this time. With this worldwide pandemic and people frantic and not sure, not understanding what's going on, not certain of how this is going to turn out or what the end will be or even if the end will come, is this the end of the world? Uh, all of these um, uh, conspiracy theories that are floating out there about what is going on, is, is, is this group behind it, is the Illuminati behind it, is, is this going on? I mean, so much going on right now. <laughs> there is so much going on. These are truly exciting times that we are living in, exciting times uh, to be alive. But as we said before, we know, we understand what is going on. We do know that there is absolutely something or someone that is behind all this. And if 
not be the Illuminati, may not be your particular party that you are against or whatever. It may not be whatever. It definitely is, we know, powers and principalities that the Bible talks about in the book of Ephesians. That we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So the president's not your problem. The Democrats are not your problem. The Republicans are not your problem. Fox News is not your problem. CNN is not your problem. <laughs> None of you Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. So there, there is an entity, there is a force, there is a spiritual realm behind the curtain that is behind all that we see going on and happening in our world. But the good news is this, we've already read the end of the book. We know how the story ends. We know what this is leading up to. And so whether this is the end or the beginning of the end, or simply God setting the stage, getting things ready for what is to come, we as Christians and believers know and understand already what this is leading to eventually. We studied for about 12 or 13 weeks the book of Daniel in the end of days. We gave you all the uh, end time prophecy and scenarios of things that are going to happen in the end of days. Uh, and so we know and understand that, but we are still living in it right now. If there was ever a, a moment that we needed to know Bible prophecy, if there was ever a moment that we needed to hear from, the, from God and His Word, it's right now. Because we are smack dab in the middle of this pandemic and all that it is causing and, and the havoc that it is causing in our lives. And so even though we are done with the book of Daniel, and the uh, prophecy on the end of days, I don't believe we are done with prophecy. We are not done talking about these things. Why? Because I think there are two things that are on the heart and minds of many people all over this world. And that is, number one, how do I deal with my predicament? How do I deal with my together? This is happening right now. This is current. This is not future. This is not some someday uh, or, uh, in the future when it comes. No, we're in it. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> and so what's on the heart and minds of a lot of people is, how do I deal with today? How do I stay safe today? How do I stay provided for today? How do I keep my peace and, and, and my calm about myself? How do I maintain the victory in, the, in spite of all these things that are happening? How do I deal? How do I handle? How do I manage my predicament? And then the second thing that is on the hearts and minds of many people today is, what does tomorrow hold? <laughs> what does, I'm, I'm concerned with today because I'm living in today. <laughs> I'm concerned about being safe and provided for and protected and not losing my mind because that's what I'm in right now. But I'm also thinking about tomorrow. What will tomorrow hold? What will tomorrow bring? Will there be an end to this? Will this be lifted? Will we be able to get back to life as normal? Or will this get worse? Is there something worse than it on the other side of it? What does my tomorrow hold? And if we could all be honest, we can say at some point in time throughout the day, these are the two thoughts that you would have in your mind. So because of that, even though we are done with Daniel, do not believe we are done with prophecy.
want to continue my journey through the Bible, we're actually going to start a brand new series today. And it comes from a particular phrase that uh, I'm sure you've heard, uh, you may have used a time or two in your life, but the phrase is, don't major on the minor. <laughs> don't major on the minor. Anybody heard that before? You used it before? Don't major on the minor. And what you are simply saying is this, don't sweat the small stuff, right? <laughs> don't make mountains out of molehills. Don't take what is minor, what is minute, what is insignificant, but really is not of importance, and make a huge deal out of it. Don't major on the minor. And that is to denote that there is some, uh, some insignificance to things that are minor. Some insignificance or unimportance of things that are minor. So the two things that come to mind when I think of the majors and the minor, I instinctively think, number one, baseball. <laughs> you think of major and you think of minor, uh, if you're a sports fanatic like me or you're an athlete, what comes to mind is baseball. Because with baseball, you have the majors <laughs> and then you have the minors. But listen, even though the majors is what the goal is for everybody, even though the majors is what draws the crowd and makes the money and has the high-dollar contracts and, and, and the multi-million dollar stadiums and all that, it is the minors where they go to get the players for the majors. It is the minor league where they go to develop the, the, the players, where they go to grow the players or to transition them into professional sports. So even though the major gets the spotlight, the focus, and the attention, it's the minors where they have to get the players to be ready for the majors. So I think of baseball when I think of major and minor, but I also think of the piano. <laughs> I think of the keyboard. I've been trying to learn uh, uh, to play the piano for a while now. I don't have a lot of time on my hands, and it takes a lot of time to sit there and, and discipline yourself to learn it. So I'm not very far in my uh, learning to play the piano. But from what I've gathered, the very first lesson they will give you when you're learning piano is how the piano is arranged, right? How it is broken up into two sets of keys. You have the major key, <laughs> and you have the minor. The major keys and the minor keys. Now, the major keys are bigger. There are more major keys than there are minor keys. But that doesn't mean the minor keys are insignificant. That doesn't mean the minor keys are uh, any uh, uh, less important than the major keys. Why? Because there are some chords you cannot play without the minor key. <laughs> then there are some songs that you won't be able to play without the minor keys. <laughs> so even though the minor keys are smaller, even though the minor keys are less, they are not less important or less significant than the major keys. You need them both if you're going to play the piano accurately and beautifully. And so these are the two things that I think of, and this brings us to what our series is going to be on because in the same way that a piano or a keyboard is broken up into sections or categories, so is the Bible. So is the Word of God. 
We know that we have the Old Testament and the New Testament, but even the Old Testament is broken up into categories. The Old Testament of the Word of God is broken up into these three categories. You have in the Old Testament history, poetry, and prophecy. These three things in the Old Testament. You have history, you have poetry, and you have prophecy. History would be like the Pentateuch or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible that gives you the history of God's people. Then you have poetry like the Psalms and the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Songs of Songs and all that. You have poetry part of the Old Testament. Then you have the prophecy. The prophecy, what thus says the Lord. But if you even take the prophecy section of the Old Testament, even the prophecy section of the Old Testament is broken up into two different sections. With the prophecy section of the Bible of the Old Testament, you have these two sections. You have the major prophets, and then you have the minor prophets. The major prophets, and you have the minor prophets. And the, the minor prophets that we tend to sleep on. <laughs> it's the minor prophets that we tend to ignore. It's the minor prophets we tend to skip over when we're reading through the Bible. Because <laughs> we feel they're not important. <laughs> There's no significance there. Let me just gloss over those real quick and get to the good stuff. Wrong. God says, don't sleep on the minor. <laughs> Do not sleep on the minor prophets. I know and understand Obadiah is probably not y'all's favorite book of the Bible, okay? <laughs> For many of us, we never heard of the book of Nain before, right? <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't like those. We, we think they're boring, they're dull, there's, there's nothing to it. God warns you, don't sleep on the minors. Just like the minors are important in baseball, just like the minor keys are important in playing the piano, the minors are important in my prophecy as well. You cannot sleep on the minor prophets. And so because there is nothing new under the sun, the Bible says, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, the Bible says, that means that if we are in the same predicament that God's people were in way back when, if we do what they did, we'll get what they got. Good or bad? Good or since there's nothing new under the sun, there's just more of it now. And since God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, if we find ourselves living in the same predicaments, in the same situations of God's people when they did back when, if we do what they did, then that stands to reason we will also get what they got. Good or bad? If we do the bad that they did, <laughs> then we will get the judgment that they got. But if we do the good that they did, it stands to reason we will get the goodness of God that they got. So because of that reason, the minor prophets are very important. The minor prophets, you don't want to just skip over them or gloss over there is so much that God wants us to glean from, yes, even the minor prophets. And since this is the section of the Bible we are now in, now that we're done with the book of Daniel, this is going to 
see our new series we're going to be on for a while. And we're simply calling this series Major on the Minors. Major on the Minors, because that is exactly what we're going to do for the next 12 or so weeks. We are going to major (laughs) on the minors. The minor prophets, the major So today, we're not going to be here very long. This is just the introduction, so don't have a whole lot for you today. So I figure we'll be out of here, hopefully, next 15, 20 minutes or so. But let me just, again, whet your appetite, get you ready for what we're going to go through in the next few weeks. These prophets are called minor prophets, but again, they're not minor because they're insignificant. They're not minor because they're they're not important. They are called minor prophets. Uh, minor prophets for a reason. And let me just add this. They are not called minor prophets by God. <laughs> God has never called them minor. That's the, a name that man came up with, right? The reason why we refer to these groups of prophets as minor prophets is because there are actually more minor prophets than major prophets. There are 12 minor prophets from the book of Hosea to the book of Malachi. There are 12 minor prophets, okay? So there are actually more minor prophets than there are major prophets. Major prophets would be like Daniel, Elijah, Ezekiel, okay? Those would be examples of major prophets. But minor prophets, like we said, Nahum, Obadiah, okay? These are all minor prophets. And the reason why they're called minor prophets is because, number one, their books are shorter, okay? Their books are shorter, like Obadiah, one chapter. <laughs> One chapter in Obadiah compared to Ezekiel or Elijah that have over 50 chapters. So one of the reasons why they're called minor prophets is because they have shorter books. Another reason why they're called minor prophets is because they have a more narrow scope or focus. They're not focusing on a whole lot of things in, the, in these books. They only focus on a particular people or a nation or a king or even a prophet himself. So they have a very narrow scope in what it is that they are dealing with, okay? So these are the minor prophets. And what we're going to do, since there are 12 of them, we're going to introduce you to one minor prophet each week. And we're going to give the minor prophets each week an opportunity to speak to you, okay? Beginning, of course, next week with the prophet Hosea. Now, again, I understand that there may be some of you here today and some online thinking, uh, well, this is about to be boring. <laughs> this is probably one of the bore, most boring series we've gone over so far. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. When you come to church, when you come to a Bible study, when you come to something where uh, you're going to receive from on high, there are three things that you want to receive, okay? Three things you want to receive. That is information. Revelation and application. Okay? Anytime you meet, anytime you gather, you want to receive those three things. Information, revelation, and application. In other words, what do I now know? Number two, what does it mean? And number three, what do I now do in light of it? Those are the three things you want to receive each and every time 
you come to us. It's not enough just to come and get a lot of information. You can get a whole lot of information, but if you don't get the revelation about the information, it does you no good. (laughs) You got a lot of head knowledge, but it has not impacted your heart or life. It hasn't changed you one iota. So you don't only want information, what you want is revelation. For God to make it make sense to you. For God to reveal to you what is truly meant by the information that has been presented to you. So you want information, but you also want revelation. But you don't want to just stop there. There are a lot of people who will stop even at revelation. Oh, they will hoot and they will holler and they will amen and they will hallelujah in church. Praise God. God for giving me that information and God giving me that revelation. Then they will leave the church not willing to apply what has been revealed to them. God says, don't fool yourself. Don't kid yourself. Be doers of God's word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. We are to practice all things. We come to church. We read our Bible. We go to Bible study so that we may get information and revelation and then application. And so that is what we are going to do with this particular series. Yes. It may be a lot of information that you've never heard before. It may be some information that you didn't know or you don't understand. But when God brings it to the forefront, when he brings it to the surface, he brings it to the light, I believe we're going to pray and believe that God is going to give us revelation. He's going to give us insight and wisdom and understanding about what is going on in the lives of these, his people, and the words of his Son. And finally, he's going to let us in on the connection of how it relates to you and I, even though it's been some 4,000 years since Jesus. He's going to show that the situation and the predicament and the circumstances they were in, guess what? We're living in it right now as well. He's going to show, he's going to connect the two, in other words. He's going to give us revelation about it, and then he's going to give us application. So you may know and understand how to navigate through these perilous times that we are living in right now. So you may know and understand how you can have your freedom, how you can have your victory, how you can have your power and your authority, how you can live victoriously in spite of everything that is going on in your life and everything that is going on in our world at this time. I believe that is what God is going to do, and he's going to give us what it is that we need to know and what it is that we need to do. This is what prophets prophets of the Bible, this is exactly what they did. They would go to God's people, or even to those who weren't God's people, if there was a technical need for it, and they would say what God said. They would tell them what it meant, and then they would say what they needed to do. Those are the central themes that you will find with any prophet of the Bible. Go to a prophet, and when they go to a person or a people and begin to prophesy, those are the three things they're doing. They're telling them what God said, they're telling them what it means, and they're telling them what they now need to do in life. And if we still have prophecy today, if we still have prophets today, meaning we are still speaking on behalf of God, we're still speaking according to God's word, those are the three things we're doing. We're saying, this is what God says, 
wouldn't it be great to have somebody come up and give us a word from God concerning coronavirus, concerning this pandemic? Wouldn't it be great if they can come up and say, this is what the Lord says about this. This is why it has come upon us. This is what it means. And this is what we need to do. I mean, it would be great to hear from God and to hear that this is what these prophets did. <laughs> they went through famine. They went through droughts. They went through all kinds of things, wars and, and plagues and all kinds of things, even worse than what we're going through now. And every time God would send a prophet to say, this is what God said, <laughs> this is what it all means, and this is what he is calling you to do. So if we can go to these men of the Bible who did that and do the same, I believe it is the way that God perhaps wants us to get through this pandemic that we're in. So let me give you a fair warning, if you haven't discovered this already, <laughs> that prophecies mainly address judgment. Prophecies mainly address judgment. There were some times in the Bible where you have prophecy of prosperity and, and good things happening. That's part of prophecy as well. But mainly, prophecy was addressing judgment or the impending judgment, okay? This is what's going to happen because of this. Therefore, you need to do this to prevent it from happening to you. And so this is what needs to be done. I'm not saying that COVID-19 is the judgment of God. I don't believe it's the judgment of God. But I do believe it could be waking us up to the judgment of God. <laughs> it could be trying to get us ready and prepared so that we may avoid the judgment of God. So I believe this is what prophecy is all about. This is why it amazes me with all of these churches and all of these quote-unquote prophets and all of these prophecies that are given, never is there a prophecy of judgment. <laughs> Have you ever been in church where there's been a prophecy of judgment? I've never seen that. <laughs> Just once I want to turn on a TV or go to a church and a prophet comes up and says, you, woman, stand up. Hear the word of the Lord. You've been cheating on your spouse. <laughs> God says judgment is coming to you. You need to get things right. Have you ever heard that before in church? Never. You, man, stand up. You, you've been stealing from your company, God says. <laughs> judgment is coming to you unless you get things right. You never see that happening in church. Why? Because people wouldn't come back. <laughs> people wouldn't give to that kind of ministry. <laughs> but that's what prophets did. They went to kings. They went to the people and said, Thus says the Lord, judgment is coming to you. Because of the errors of your ways, because of your idolatry, because you are forsaking the living God, because of your sin, God says, judgment is coming to you. So this is what you need to do to avoid the impending judgment that is coming. And guess what? That's what you want to hear. I know you don't want to hear it, but you want to hear it. <laughs> you may not like to hear it, but that's what you want to hear. You know, if, if you have uh, some type of disease or, or, or say coronavirus, you have a, a way of escaping it or avoiding it, don't you want to hear how I can do that? <laughs> if this is out there and they say it is in the air now or whatever, but we have a way for you to avoid it, well, let me hear it. In the same way, God is going to reveal some things. In the same way, God is going to bring things up to the surface so that we may deal with them, so that we may address them, 
so that we may avoid the judgment that he says is coming. So they didn't like prophets back then. Matter of fact, they hated the prophets back then. Jesus said to this to the Pharisees, he said, which of the prophets did you not kill? Which of the prophets did you not persecute? Which of the prophets did you not hate and come against? My father sent prophets to you, and you didn't want to hear the message that they had for you, so you persecuted them, and you haven't stoned, you haven't killed. And you're wanting to do the same thing to us. And just like it was then, and just like it was for Jesus, it is today. There's not a whole lot out there who want to hear the truth. There's not a whole lot out there who want to hear the word of God. There's not a whole lot out there who want to hear what we need to do to avoid the pending judgment that is coming, but yet that's what God has called and commanded us to do. He has called and commanded his leaders. So what might we expect going through the uh, minor prophets of the Bible? Let's just give you real quickly, for example, Hosea. Hosea, one of the majors of Hosea is on love and marriage. Love and marriage. I was on a pastor's panel this Friday, and one of the questions that came up is, uh, now that this pandemic has hit us, uh, and we're sheltering in place, staying at home, I discovered I don't like my spouse. <laughs> we're, we're, I don't like, we're not getting along. I mean, we're, we're, we're fighting, and we can't go anywhere. We can't leave. And so what do I do? I don't know if I'll ever recover from this. <laughs> so one of the things that this pandemic has revealed is the issues or the problems we've had in our families, in our marriages, in, uh, in our homes. And so one of the things that Hosea is going to uh, identify with us is on the topic of love and marriage. Because Hosea is going to get a special assignment. He's going to get a special assignment that is uh, that will let us know the true meaning and a true purpose for marriage. Not what many people think, not what the world has made it out to, to, to believe. God is going to let us know through the prophet Isaiah on this topic of love and marriage, what the purpose and the meaning of marriage really is. So those are one of the applications we're going to see. Joel is going to talk about how the plague that the people went through was just a preview. How a plague was just a preview. He's going to say, you think this is bad. <laughs> you haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs> this is just a little taste. This is just a little sample of the judgment to come. Amos is going to deal with uh, uh, the pride of the heart of people. Well, they thought they were too big. They, they thought they were too prosperous to fail. It's like the unsinkable ship, right? The Titanic. The Titanic is an unsinkable ship. Even God can't sink this ship. Okay, really? Okay, hold on. <laughs> Let me show you. <laughs> In the same way, Amos is going to be dealing with the people of God who thought they were too prosperous too mighty to fail. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like any other nation you know where they think we're, we're too big and we're too prosperous to ever fail? Just ask Rome. <laughs> we can go down the list of nations who were mightier and more powerful than we, and they failed. Amos is going to address that. Obadiah is going to answer the question of, am I my brother's keeper? Jonah, obviously, is going to uh, talk about when we run from God. Right? <laughs> Micah is going to talk about restoration after condemnation. And that's what we're all wanting. As God has allowed this condemnation to come, we now want to be restored. Micah is going to 
address that. Nahum is going to talk about a falling away, what we are seeing happening in the church right now. Habakkuk is going to have a divine dialogue between him and God, where he's going to ask the question that's all on all of our minds, God, why? 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 Habakkuk has that divine dialogue with God. Zephaniah, he's going to give us the end of these two roads. Haggai is going to give us uh, the, the topic of restoring the ruins, that which has been ruined. Zechariah is going to talk about the coming of the king. And Malachi is going to talk about restoring right Restoring right wastefulness. So yes, there is much that we can glean from these prophets. There is much that we can get from these so-called minor prophets of the time. All of these things can be, should be, and will be applied to us. It is as it was, and so it was as it will be. This is the purpose to get us ready for not only what is, but what is to come. Let me give you one more uh, fact about this before we conclude today. So at the end of these 12 minor prophets, heaven goes silent. Heaven goes silent. There would be over 400 years between the pages of Malachi and the pages of Matthew. Malachi would be that very last prophet from God in its form. But after Malachi, silence. No prophecy, no word, no nothing from God for over 400 years. Now, we've been out of church for four weeks. <laughs> and some of us have been going crazy. Can you imagine heaven being silent for 400 years? The next prophet that would speak after the prophet Malachi would be over 400 years, and that would be John the Baptist, proclaiming the way of the Lamb of God. And I believe once we go through this particular series, and we're all said and done with this series, next set of seven years, it is going to finally launch us into the New Testament. Is going to finally launch us. And we've been preaching through the Bible for five years now. <laughs> five years we've been preaching through the Bible, but at the conclusion of this particular series, it is now finally going to launch us in to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the New Testament. So I'm excited about it. And I want to use this particular series to prepare your heart and to get us ready for that. That's what the Old Testament is for. The Bible says these things were written for our benefit. There's a lot of people who don't like the Old Testament. They try to avoid the Old Testament. They certainly won't preach on the Old Testament because it's boring. What do you mean boring? <laughs> this is the foundation of our faith. <laughs> Christianity came from Judaism. <laughs> if you don't understand this, how can you understand the things and principles of God? I don't understand how people ignore the Old Testament. <laughs> but that's why we've been given such time and great detail to going through it. So when we finally get into the New Testament, it'll all make sense to you. You don't know what all this is about. God will begin to connect the dots, and you will have a solid and firm foundation about the principles in the New Testament. Why? Because now you know of the Old Testament. So that's what I am looking forward to at the conclusion of this particular series. Just like they were glad to hear 
coming of the Lord for 400 years heaven won't stop. I believe there should be the same anticipation and excitement about getting into the New Testament and about to get into Christ. Amen? You know, I've used this uh, particular illustration before when they come down close to the ground. Uh, whenever there's somebody on deathbed and it is their time to die and they're going down that corridor and they're seated in that chair, they just have one question in mind. It's like me seeing a TV show or a movie. They will ask the guards that are taking them, they'll say, is there a word from the governor? Is there a word from the governor? In other words, it's only the governor who can issue a pardon. It's only the governor who, who can ring that phone and, and say, hey, you're never going to believe this. The governor on the line, he's granting you a pardon just for you to go. And so as they're going down that corridor and as they're sitting in that chair, they just are telling those guards, 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 is there a word from the governor? Well, that's what we ought to be saying today. As God's people, absolutely. But even people who don't know the Lord, even people who have been shaken up and awakened by this pandemic, maybe they too are wondering, is there a word from the governor? <laughs> the one who governs not just a state, but the entire universe. Is there a word from the Lord about what this is, about what this means, about what we ought to do, about what it holds, what it's going to how do we manage through it? How do we become, get delivered from it? Is there a word from the Lord? I believe as God has been, he will continue, but even more so through this series, God is going to speak to us. God is going to give us a word. And the question is, when he does, will you listen? Will I listen? Will the word given us the Holy Spirit for many reasons, but one of the reasons God has given us the Holy Spirit is to teach us and to convict us before it's too late. It's just like the, the sense of timing. God has given us the gift of timing to keep us out of trouble. So when we're five years old and we put our hand on the stove and it's hot, we'll quickly move our hand. Why? To 
there's no pain when we repent. So the same way God gives us His Spirit, He gives us the conviction of the Spirit of God to keep us from the pain and the hurt and the trial and the tribulation and the suffering of the judgment for our sin. But if we continue to ignore that conviction, if we continue to say, I'm going to suppress this truth that I know and continue to do my own thing, you will eventually come to a place in time in your life where you can no longer feel the conviction of God. Like a dangerous place to be. The conviction of God once said, Pastor, say it this way, it's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. <laughs> trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and as soon as you turn it, you feel that friction. <laughs> and then you feel that friction when you try to turn it because that doesn't says that if we continue to turn that thing and turn that thing and turn that thing, eventually what you're going to do is you're going to wear the edges off. And you're going to come to the point where you don't even feel the friction anymore. That is what happens when we ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So my prayer for you today, God's son for all of us in here, is that we would want to receive the word of God, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not. done now, and I want to leave you with, as we do each and every week, an opportunity to make some decisions in light of what you have now heard. God is here. We haven't gotten into our series. We haven't gotten into any scriptures of any kind, but God is still here, and God has still been speaking, and God has still been revealing himself to you. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, as your Lord and as your Savior. You've never repented or turned from the way, the direction, your way. You've never bowed your knee and confessed with your tongue that, yes, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and I want to make him the Lord of my heart and life as well. And I want to repent and turn from my sin and the way that I was going. And I want to receive God's goodness, God's favor, God's mercy, and God's grace. He is offering to us right now the forgiveness of all of our sins to wipe the slate clean and to give us a brand new life that is everlasting and eternal. And all we have to do is respond and say, yes, Lord, I believe it. I want to receive you into my family. So if you've never done that, we pray that you will make that decision you already a child of God, and you know the Lord, you know the Lord knows you, please God today. But may we be about our Father's business. May we know and understand that God is still speaking. He speaks to us, but he also wants to speak through us to others as well. So be a willing vessel to be used by God, because upon the heart and mind of many people right now is their own mortality. If there was ever a time where people might be open to the gospel and open to uh, the things of God, it's right now. So take the opportunity that God has given us all to be used by Him for their good and for His glory. Amen. Last thing I will say is this. Everyone's spiritual well-being may be at the bottom of the list. You think of your physical well-being, your health, your financial well-being, your 
God and social well-being, which is mindset and mentality is one of the things you can use for a minute. Perhaps the spiritual well-being is at the bottom of the list. But once this is all over, believe me, (laughs) your spiritual well-being will be at the top of the list. God is saying to us today, go ahead and major on what you think is right. (laughs) Go ahead and major on what you think is right. This is the message we want to get to the lost people in our world. So as we prepare to leave, just want to remind you, go to our website, believechurch.cc, where you can, of course, give to this ministry. You can also view this lesson once again and previous lessons that we've preached before. You can share, like, comment, and subscribe to let us know that this ministry is benefiting you and it is not in vain. You can again tune in next Wednesday to Minds of the Mind. Next Sunday, we're going to start with our series, and we're going to hear from Hosea, so if you want to read up on Hosea before then, you can do that. Uh, Again, we're going to start up Life Group, so go on to uh, our website and look that up. So this is a blessing or benediction uh, of the Lord before he lets you go. Matthew 10, 27. Matthew 10, 27, it says this, Whatever I tell you in the dark, you to make the minor major. <laughs> I want you to make them major. I'm going to tell it to you in secret. I'm going to tell it to you in your sleep. Then I want you to put it on display. I want you to major the minor. So may that be a decision we make in our life. So lift your hands, receive the blessing, the benediction will be given. God, we thank you so much for what you have done in this place today and what you're going to now do as a result of today's We pray, God, that we will be in tune to whatever it is that you're going to reveal to us, not only today, but through this entire series, that we may benefit from it, but also we may be used by you to bring good for you to others who desperately need you as well. So as we prepare to leave this place, may we never lose the truth that you have spoken here today and what you have done in preparing us for what is and as well as what is to come. We thank you for it, and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise, God. And so now, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance toward you and give you peace. And in the name that is above every name, Jesus blessed us. We love you. We'll see you next time. We'll bless you.